Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we are joined by Congressman Jim McGovern. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us every month. We really appreciate your time. Well, happy to be with you. Okay. I, I, I don't mean to start with a really hard question, but I do. Okay, it's not a hard question. What is happening in the House of Representatives of the United States this week? Does the new speaker mean that there will be a difference is it a sign of something good to come or a sign of something, some things bad to come? Well, as I've said before, I mean, it's kind of the uh, same menu, but a different waiter. Um, I mean, that's kind of where we are. I mean, the uh, Republicans continue to bring extreme legislation to the floor. They continue to exploit international tragedies like what's happening in the Middle East and uh, as they did yesterday, was trying to tie Israel aid to um, uh, eliminating funding for the IRS to go after millionaire and billionaire and corporate tax cheats. I mean, it's like you can't make this stuff up. Uh, more and more extreme legislation coming down the road on abortion, uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation. I mean, these people are, you know, are, are, are who they are. And I think the difference uh, between Kevin McCarthy and uh, Mike Johnson is that Kevin McCarthy stood for nothing. He caved to the right every time they asked him to because his survive, survival as speaker was at stake. Mike Johnson is just a true believer, so he actually believes this stuff. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm counting the days to the next election, uh, which is still a long ways away, but we have to get through this. Uh, but it's not good for the country. Let's talk about the matters and the bills that need immediate attention. Um, one is Ukraine. One is aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel. Uh, are those going to be linked and are they going to be passed in time to deliver the uh, the funds and the uh, aid that is required now? Well, it's not just uh, aid to Israel and aid to Ukraine. I mean, it's humanitarian aid that we need to get approved. Absolutely. Uh, because people are suffering in these wars, uh, not just in the Middle East, but also in, in Ukraine. I mean, so uh, food, medicine, uh, that kind of stuff needs to be uh, prioritized. Then there's disaster aid for the disasters we've had here in the United States. So President Biden put this big package together. Republicans in the House has kind of, have kind of chopped it up. And yesterday they brought an Israel aid package that basically conditioned aid to Israel on whether or not we can block funding for IRS, the IRS to go after millionaire, billionaire, and corporate tax cheats. I mean, that's where their head is at. That's what that's that's their big concern um, is that, and it really is disgusting. And um, I mean, I, I and I, I, I on the floor yesterday, I I asked whether you know who who came, who came up with this brilliant idea. I mean, was this some was this at a fundraiser in Mar-a-Lago? Did some big, rich tax cheat, uh, you know, write out a political action committee check to the Republicans uh, in order to get this? I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, so, so every, so they, they 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 passed that yesterday, barely, but it's dead in the Senate. The president has said he'll veto it. So, uh, you know, th- there's going to be no movement in the immediate uh, t- uh, period. On any of that, and by the way, they didn't even take up humanitarian aid. Uh, I tried um, very hard in the Rules Committee to get an order, an amendment that would allow humanitarian aid to be included, and uh, 
And I'll tell you the ease and the indifference in which Republicans on the Rules Committee voted no to even allowing an amendment to be brought to the floor to be debated about whether we should get food medicine to you know the, to poor Palestinian children in Gaza or to uh, you know people who have been whose uh, lives have been obliterated in Ukraine. The ease in which they voted no was chilling. I mean, they just don't give a damn. And it, you know, that's where we are right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, but the Republicans are playing politics with all of this. So a lot of this essential stuff will be stalled. Is it just performative? They want to be able to say, we really, really worked hard to help all you millionaire tax cheats. Yeah. Not, we're not taxing you anymore. We just aren't going to make sure you don't have to pay the taxes you owe and that the law requires. They want to be able to say that somehow that's politically expedient for them. Is, is this performative or are they serious? I think it's financially lucrative for them um, to, to do that. I mean, look, the bottom line uh, in this country is that the very, very wealthy pay less in taxes than do teachers and nurses and firefighters and police officers and laborers. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. I mean, they, they exploit loopholes uh, in our tax code or they get away with finding ways to illegally cheat um, and rig the system. And so we, we either want to continue to tolerate that or not. I mean, I think we everybody should pay their fair share, including millionaires and billionaires and big corporations. Uh, but they, they, for whatever reason, you know, can't help themselves. And again, I, I think this really is, um, uh, you know, fueled by big money special interests. And they are always at the table. And, and, and the Republicans have no shame. I mean, the idea that they would exploit an international crisis to um, condition aid on whether or not we can eliminate the IRS's ability to go after millionaire and billionaire tax cheats, it, it, it's like it, it takes my breath away. It takes my breath away, too, Jim McGovern. Uh, what I read is that a report was filed with the, the new speaker, uh, Michael Johnson, who said he's doing this for fiscal responsibility, um, that, tying it to this IRS uh, cut. But uh, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office report, said it would cost us $90 billion if we do this. Yeah, so that, that's the, the other kind of crazy thing here is they say, oh, we, we, got, we want to pay for all of this. Well, their offset um, needs an offset because their offset adds to the deficit, billions and billions and billions of dollars. So that means because the bottom line is that, um, you know, it, it will cost because this will, we will not get the taxes that these billionaires and millionaires and big corporations own. It's kind of like having a restaurant, um, but, you know, not, not hiring any cooks. I mean, and that's kind of the, the deal here. And so CBO rightfully says, if, if, if you have no ability to collect taxes from tax cheats, then you can't get that money and it will cost you. And we estimate that there are billions and billions of dollars out there um, in uncollected monies. So it adds to the deficit. So this doesn't this is not this is not being paid for. Again, it, you know, this offset is doesn't pay for anything. This offset costs. And after the deficit, so their offset needs an offset. I mean, it's 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 it would be laughable if it wasn't so tragic. Um, but they do this with a straight face. Um, and again, it's not me saying or you saying that you know this will add to the deficit. It is the Congressional Budget Office that is what we use to determine whether how much bills cost, 
whether they add to the deficit or whether they reduce the deficit. So this is CBO, not Jim McGovern. It is CBO that is saying this, and they know it. It's, and yet, with a straight face, they get out and say, "Oh, we want, we want to be responsible." They're not, they're not being responsible. They're being irresponsible, and while all along protecting millionaire and billionaire tax cheats. I mean, let that sink in. Let that sink in. I mean, this is who they are. Uh, and quite frankly, it is uh, at this moment with all that's going on, playing games like this is is really uh, very, very disappointing. Well, in that regard, Congressman McGovern. The United States government shuts down unless there's some kind of a congressional resolution or a continuing resolution to fund the government. At some point in the not-too-distant future, there has to be uh, a, a bill that appropriates money for Ukraine and for Israel and uh, for other essential matters. Um, how is this going to be accomplished? And I take it you have some hope and, sure, and or are optimistic that there'll be a, at least a short-term resolution Talk to us about that. Talk to us about the required bills that need to pass and when. Well, because of all the drama that we have lived through the last few weeks with no speaker, uh, the House of Representatives has essentially been inoperable. I mean, we couldn't, you know, we, can't, we couldn't bring any legislation to the floor. We couldn't do anything. So now we're playing catch up. And the extreme right wing is saying, well, we're going to give the speaker a little time you know, to play catch up. So there will probably be a short term continuing resolution to keep the government running for a few weeks anyway. Um, so I don't think that this November deadline is going to be, you know, the do or die date on this. But it sounds like what they're going to do is kind of string us along month to month, you know, a few weeks here and a few weeks there. And what that does is create all kinds of uncertainty. And it means that we're not focusing on kind of a solving long-term problems that we need to focus on. So it, it's, it's, it, it will be drama. It'll be, you know, right up to the deadline kind of thing. It will be stuff that will drive everybody crazy. Uh, but it's not a way to govern. It, this is not the way to govern. And again, they had an opportunity in the midst of all of their chaos to try to work with Democrats to try to find a bipartisan path forward. We can actually prioritize bipartisan legislation, where we can actually get things done, where we can find our commonality and move that stuff forward. Then we can fight about the other stuff. And they chose not to go that way. And in fact, they chose to elect a speaker who probably is the most extreme speaker that we've ever had. I mean, this is a guy, you know, who has said that he believes in a nationwide abortion ban uh, with no exceptions. This is a guy who, if you Google his uh, views and his uh, legislative actions on the LBGTQ community, it's just, it's, it's gross. It's, it's really sick um, how backward he is in terms of thinking about these things. Um, this is a guy who, again, is, is, is a reflection uh, of the extreme right wing. He's a true believer. Um, Kevin McCarthy didn't believe in anything, but was so afraid of the right wing that he just basically parroted everything they wanted. But this is who the Republican Party is right now. And we're going to have to decide as a nation whether or not this is our future or whether or not uh, we need to bring this to a close. And when you say decide as a nation, you're talking about the 2024 elections? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's our best hope here. That's our best hope to reverse course. That's our best hope protect civil liberties and civil rights and women's reproductive rights. It's our, it's our best hope for, 
you know, pursuing a foreign policy that is based more on human rights than on, you know, belligerency and, and just this crazy rhetoric that we, we, we're hearing all the time. I mean, we, we, we have a lot of challenges in our country and in the world, uh, but we, we have a Congress, at least in the House of Representatives, that quite frankly is not fit to govern. They are not fit to be here. Uh, these are narcissists. These are people who are interested in attention and Twitter followers. Uh, they're not interested in governing. They're not interested in doing the right thing. And again, I get it. We, we have different opinions on how to approach some of the issues facing our nation. But there's a right way to do it. And there's a wrong way to do it. Um, and uh, these people are wholly owned by Trump. Uh, I mean, the reason why Mike Johnson is the speaker is because Trump couldn't get Jim Jordan elected. Um, and he vetoed everybody else. And so this is this this is still very much Trump world here. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think people need to focus on this uh, 2024 election uh, with the understanding that if we do not prevail, uh, I, I really believe our, our, our democracy and our values are, are at stake. My my question, uh, Jim McGovern, is. For those of us who live in Massachusetts, where we have a really strong blue delegation in Congress who want to see Congress flip Democratic for all the reasons you just stated, what do we do to make a difference in those other states? We we all have friends and relatives in other states. I mean, you know, our vacation may be, you know, door knocking and, um, uh, you know, in Minnesota or Wisconsin. I mean, or or people can, you know, contribute financially to campaigns. Or people could do phone banking from Massachusetts into other states, um, you know, or, or send postcards to friends uh, in other states. I mean, we have power beyond our borders here. Uh, we just have to we have to use it. But this is not a this is not a, a game. This is this is real life, and elections do matter. And I, I mean, I was at an event the other day, and people were telling me all the things that that that, that they were disappointed that Joe Biden hasn't done. I get it. I mean, Joe Biden is not perfect, right? And Joe Biden hasn't done a lot of things I want him to do. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a, a frustrating call with the administration the other day about trying to get them to move to lift some of the sanctions on Cuba, which is so ridiculous, uh, and is forcing hundreds of thousands of Cubans to leave the country and migrate to the United States and other places. I get it. But you know what? He is vastly better. Uh, than the alternative. Um, and we can work with him and we can make some progress. And if he had a Congress like he did when he first came in, we can get a lot of stuff done. I mean, we passed the biggest infrastructure bill since the creation of the interstate highway. The, um, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, biggest investment to get back clim- the climate crisis in the history of our country. We are making progress in that regard. I mean, we are a lot of good legislation, a lot of good judges being appointed to serve in our courts who are not right-wing ideologues. So we, we, this is important. This is important, and we need, we, we, need, we need a Democrat as president, and we need a Democratic majority in the House and Senate to be able to kind of move in the direction uh, more rapidly that we all want to move it. Congressman Jim McGovern, we really appreciate your time with us every month. Thank you so very, very much. My, my pleasure. Be safe. Watch it in slow motion as you turn around and say, Take my breath away. You're listening.
listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Find local news and local talk for the Valley. It wasn't necessary and it probably wasn't even appropriate on the one hand. I don't want that to sound like I don't support schools. I have a long history of supporting schools, certainly longer than any one of those city councilors. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP, news, information, and the arts. Reading is one of life's great pleasures. Having a community bookstore makes it even better. Broadside Bookshop is a community-minded, woman-owned, independent bookstore in downtown Northampton, where you can browse to your heart's content. For book lovers, Broadside is home away from home. You can order virtually any book on the Broadside website and pick it up at the store or have it sent to your door. If you love books, you'll love Broadside Bookshop. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, the Pioneer Valley's newspaper covering Holyoke to Deerfield and Belchertown to the Hilltowns, was awarded New England Newspaper of the Year for their local news coverage. Home delivered six days a week and online 24-7. Try their digital-only subscription options and stay connected with your community wherever you are. Pick up a copy on newsstands, subscribe, or visit gazettenet.com. The Daily Hampshire Gazette, covering the Pioneer Valley since 1786. Did you know you can get your prescriptions for less at your local pharmacy? You can with GoodRx. It's the free app that can save you money on your medications. Just search for your prescription, choose the pharmacy and the price that works best for you, and then show your GoodRx coupon to your pharmacist at the drop-off counter. GoodRx works at over 70,000 pharmacies, including Walmart, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, and it works whether you have insurance or not. It's easy to save. Next time you drop off your prescription, check GoodRx. To start saving today, go to GoodRx.com. GoodRx is not insurance. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Well, Election Day is upon us, almost, Tuesday. And early voting has been going on in municipalities that are having elections. And there are two stories that are roiling their communities today, uh, one in Springfield, one in Greenfield, Let's start with Springfield. The headlines yesterday in the uh, Republican and on Mass Live the night before was about, the headline was about uh, an allegation that persons on behalf of uh, city councilor and mayoral candidate Justin Hurst were paying people $10 to vote for him. This was front page, top of the fold, huge headline in the Republican, the physical newspaper, yesterday. Today, the top of the fold headline was Justin Hurst's denial. And inside on the editorial page was an edit- editorial saying Justin Hurst is not dealing with the facts. He has to deal with the facts, which include a videotape of people coming out of the polling of the city hall where they're voting and being paid $10 and his being present. It's really uh, a deeply disturbing story. I don't know, of course, if it's true, and I don't think it's getting resolved before Tuesday, but I'd appreciate your thoughts, Buzz. 
Yeah, just to, to uh, add to the story a little bit, he, the allegation is that he paid, they were paid $10 after they returned with an I voted early sticker to prove that they in fact voted. Then they would get their $10. There's apparently uh, surveillance. It was right outside of City Hall. So the surveillance cameras from City Hall that show these activities. Um, he, I mean, I don't know if it's He said he don't know anything about it. The problem is that he was near there or present in one of the cars. Yes, this, this is Dan. So um, the video shows from City Hall uh, a SUV that Hearst was driving, parking next to the van where the man got out who was handing out money. So it doesn't look like he can say I was nothing. In, I was not involved. It's like you were well, he could say I was there. involved, or I didn't know, or didn't, didn't see. Know. I mean, I, he could say a lot he of things. He could say a lot of things, no, but no. the video is well. The the, the videotape uh, is is does seem to require explanation. Um, yes, it's it's uh, it's not a frivolous claim, that's for sure, um, and it's not getting sorted out by Tuesday. And he, of course, claims this is a smear campaign by Sarno, uh, with whom he is. At loggerheads, of course, uh, they're contesting the uh, mayoral election the, for the first time in some 16 years. In fact, uh, Dominic Sarno is facing a real challenge, um, and uh, Justin Hurst is a real challenger, is a serious person in Springfield, um, and a credible candidate. But these are uh, images that seem to require an explanation before Tuesday, and it, what he says, and is right, which is the Republican newspaper, Mass Live, is f standing behind and has been standing behind Dom Sarno. He, the paper is generally viewed as a real ally of the mayor, um, and uh, editorially is. They'll claim, of course, neutral news reporting. But all that aside, the paper does stand as an ally of uh, Dominic Sarno, and he says this is all part of the newspaper's uh, 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 goal of promoting uh, Sarno's candidacy. Well, there's a little bit more than that to explain. There are affidavits by police officers. Oh, yes, right, absolutely. Yeah, and by, by uh, election workers who said that voters were asking, where do I get my $10? Right, but that doesn't mean that uh, Justin Hurst was orchestrating that. It just no. means someone was asking for it. Absolutely true. I mean, I mean, there's something was going on here, but it doesn't mean that Justin Hurst was responsible for it. It might be somebody who's supporting Justin for Hurst example, working for his campaign or... For example, uh, the problem, the, which would be a, a explanation for the images and for the affidavits and for people saying, where do I get my $10? Uh, it doesn't explain his presence uh, in these images, or some of these images. Not, he wasn't giving out money. They don't have anything like that on, the, on, on videotape, but it's... Uh, it's it, it makes me really sad. And, and you know, admittedly, I, I think democracy is smiling that somebody was running against... Uh, Sarno and that Sarno really had a challenge that, uh, which uh, I, I hoped there was a serious challenge to Dominic Sarno's uh, well, regime. This, but yeah, yeah but, but putting that aside, now democracy is no longer smiling about these allegations. These are terrible allegations, and if if true, shame, shame, shame on you. Let's look at Greenfield for a moment. Buzz, what's going on in the mayor's race in Greenfield? This was interesting to me that it received such significant news coverage in today's Republican, again, Mass Live. Uh, obviously, it's been covered in depth in the Greenfield Recorder and in the, uh, to some extent in the Daily Hampshire Gazette. It is the question of 
what is going on with the police chief and is the mayor responsible and will the police chief having survived the superior court judgment against him in the police department in the discrimination case will that determine this mayor's election you're a franklin county person buzz what say you what i hear over and over again is this that uh, generally uh, roxanne wiedergartner has been liked for years roxanne wiedergartner the mayor of greenfield she sure is and um and this is, she's running for re-election um uh, against uh jenny disorder who is a city councilor and the chair of the city council's uh ways and means committee and um, the fact that Roxanne has been well-liked, but time and again she's made decisions that um, have rankled some of, uh, some of her supporters. Uh, we just had Tom Lesser uh, in talking about a case that he's involved in with the tax equity case, Those, uh, the situations in which um, the state law permitted a municipality, who, which is uh, uh, taking a house, for non-payment of property taxes, and uh, after deducting the taxes owed and the cost of collection, um, there's a balance um, when the house is sold and allows the municipality, if it wishes to, to keep that excess money. The United States Supreme Court said a few months ago that it was unconstitutional to do so, but it didn't order that retroactively done cases, uh, such cases, had to be reimbursed to people. So Tom Lesser is bringing an action on behalf of two homeowners whose homes were grabbed and the equity kept, uh, trying to get the equity back from Greenfield. Most people that I know up in Greenfield in Franklin County say it's not fair to grab the entire value of the house. Just take what you're owed and what it cost you to collect, and the balance should go to the usually poor people, people who don't have enough money to pay their property taxes, with their greatest asset, their house, that value should be returned to the homeowners. Well, well, that is the law now, and that's what it will be going forward. And the question is, uh, well, the question retroactivity. To your question is, why did Roxanne not just capitulate and say, "Yeah, that's the fair thing to do"? And some, I know a lot of people that are really upset about that decision. The election is on Tuesday. We'll be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The third suspect wanted a connection to a shooting in Holyoke that led to the death of a newborn baby has turned himself in. 28-year-old Kermit Alvarez of Holyoke surrendered to authorities this morning. He now faces a murder charge and is due to be arraigned in Holyoke District Court on Monday. Prosecutors say an altercation between three men ended in gunfire with one of the rounds striking a city bus and hitting a pregnant woman who was seated on board. Four candidates are running for two at-large seats on the Northampton City Council. David Murphy, Garrick Perry, Roy Martin, and Marissa Elkins took part in a candidate's forum on Wednesday night, during which they discussed the looming budget override the city is facing. While Murphy, a former city councilor, argued the city is overspending on new city departments, such as the Division of Community Care, the only incumbent city councilor in the race, Marissa Elkins, said the possibility of a Proposition 2.5 override is nothing new. Ward 4 Councilor Garrick Perry said the city could need the budget override to prevent layoffs to the public school system. Roy Martin has run for mayor multiple times and argued that some of the city residents cannot afford another tax override. And the South Hadley Select Board is calling an emergency meeting with the school committee to ask voters to approve $61,000 from the town's fiscal 2024 operational budget to pay for a new assistant superintendent at the school. This comes after six South Hadley High School staff members were physically assaulted by students in three separate incidents. 
According to the Gazette, administrators are now spending so much time dealing with various investigations and disciplinary processes for disorderly conduct that they're struggling to complete other aspects of the job. Our warming trend continues today with partly to mostly sunny skies, a little breezy, and a high of 52 to 56. Variable clouds tonight, evening temperatures in the 40s, overnight lows of 32 to 38. Sun cloud combination for tomorrow, a high of 54 to 58, and mid to upper 50s and dry on Sunday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts, and messages from community nonprofits. Where is your pain? In your knees, hips, your back? Don't let it sideline you any longer, and don't let them tell you surgery is your only option. Call QC Kinetics now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, restoring and repairing damaged joint tissue the natural way, using healing properties from your own body to bring you lasting relief with no drugs and no downtime. QC Kinetics is trusted by patients all over America with 150 clinics nationwide. Get started now so you can live big in 2024. Talk about a great use of your FSA and HSA. Put them to work getting you the relief you need so badly. And again, there are no drugs, no downtime, and no surgery. Call QC Kinetics today for a free consultation. Let their medical professionals give you a better path towards that pain-free life. Call 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. Our school communities thrive when they address students, families, and educators' well-being. That's why the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education offers schools and districts the tools to meet these needs through our Office of Student and Family Supports. Caring for each other, growing together, back to school, better. Visit doe.mass.edu slash growing together. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. We welcome back to our show Max Page, who is the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. Max, thanks so much for your time today. I want to have you update us on a story we have been following and that we have been talking to you about, which is the MCAS question, which will presumably, but subject to a lot of effort, uh, be on the ballot next November the question of MCAS as a graduation requirement in Massachusetts. Tell us about the effort to collect the number, the signatures that are necessary, how many are necessary, and how that effort is going. Yeah, well, we are we are well past uh, 100,000 signatures, just raw, you know, meaning uncertified, and we are sure that we are well past the certified number of roughly 75,000 that is required to to be on the ballot next november we have we uh, anyone and, and including our us mta and coalition needed to gather roughly 70,000 75,000 certified signatures 
by November 22nd, and we've already blown past that. So we're really pleased, and it's been one of the easiest signatures to get when you walk around um, at supermarkets or farmers markets or town fairs. Are you still gathering signatures? And in answering that question, would you be kind enough to tell us why you need you, not only the uh, MTA, uh, MTA, but the other obvious, for the obvious proponents of of this ballot measure, uh, there's a significant difference between signatures, what you call raw signatures, and certified signatures. You need 75,000 certified signatures. Tell us what that is, please. Well, it's it's complicated in our state of 351 cities and towns, which is that every signature sheet can only have registered voters from an individual town. And then you must bring those signatures once, you know, right to the town clerk in that town. And they have to then certify um, that those are, in fact, registered voters. They have to be able to read the signature. And, you know, if there are, you know, if the coffee has been spilled on it, often they have to, they will throw those out. So you always have to collect more than exactly the number of signatures to be sure that you have, that you actually get uh, um get certif- enough certified ones and our, our members have been outstanding and so that their certification rate is very, very high. So we're very confident that we already have enough, but we're going to go right through next week, election day, um, and um, we'll hopefully be able to submit soon after, and, submit to the Secretary of State. So. And how many signatures in order to be safe do you need or do you think you need or do you want to have in order to make sure that you have the 75,000? Well, as I say, it depends on how well you're doing in collecting in terms of collecting actual registered registered uh, voters on the right sheets and our on the right sheets and the right in the right municipality, uh, all that exactly. But we have been doing very we have very high percentage, so that's why we're so confident we're already well above the the necessary number. But you know, we have to take it to each town clerk and get them certified, and then bring them all to the Secretary of State in Boston. Let's and if people want to join the effort and uh, uh, fix their signatures, is there a way they can do that? Well, basically, at most um, town, you know, town voting booths, out obviously beyond the, the the foot limit that you need to be away from for campaigning, we will actually have people there gathering signatures um, this Tuesday, this election day. Okay, let's turn to another topic, if we might, please. Max, I know you were at, I believe you were at, the Safe School Summit, which occurred recently. Tell our listeners who haven't heard about that what it was, why it matters. Yes. Well, this has been actually a series of meetings our our members have pulled together because of what has been a growing um, problem of some, sometimes it's called student um, dysregulation, which means uh, the really problems of behavior, but also real violence between students and also students to educators. And this is this was a growing problem long before the pandemic. And of course, when schools were closed during the pandemic, that dropped precipitously, but it's caught right back up and has continued the upward trend. I know that in, um, you know, there's just recent report today about in South Hadley, how they feel like there's just, they have to hire um, an additional assistant superintendent in order to deal with the, some real dangerous conditions of the workplace. So this is a real problem. And as I say, it, it's not just a pandemic. It goes much further back and has many root causes. But our members have been gathering to figure out what they can do to support the students, because obviously students, um, mental health issues, which turn in sometimes into behavioral issues in schools, 
have to be addressed. That's the core of it. But we also have to create safe working spaces, uh, working places for our for our educators. It is not acceptable to uh, think of the work as involving getting injured on the job. Are we talking about fights, Max? Well, we're talking about fights, but we're um, between students. Yes. yes, sometimes, but also students who get um, dysregulated to the point where they hit back at teachers and and uh, administrators, and the, the number of incidents in which an educator is actually injured, um, sometimes hospitalized, have been have been growing um, over the last over the last decade. And I think there's a lot of reason for that in society, but it's it's something we really need to address. So this is Dan. I, I just want to mention the Daily Hampshire Gazette has a story on what's happening in South Hadley. So both the uh, school committee and the select board are going to have a special town meeting on November 15th in order to add $61,000 to hire an assistant principal in order to deal with the disciplinary actions. Apparently, six South Hadley high school staff members were physically assaulted in three separate incidents. I don't know if you want to talk yep. about that, Max, or you want to... Uh... Well, I mean, that's that's we, we're hearing that all over. I mean, the, the, the meeting we had yesterday was in the southeast, so it mainly had people from there, although it had a, a, a vice president of our local in Haverhill, where these issues were serious. Actually, in Haverhill, went on strike almost exactly a year ago, not just for wages, but also because they felt like the district was not really uh, addressing the growing number of incidents like this. So this is not just a few places. I think every single district is seeing an uptick in this. And I want to emphasize our members deserve a fair work, I mean, a safe workplace, but they know that this shows that the students are in bad shape. The students are not well if they're acting out this way. And um, we have to, this is a societal issue, but we have to figure out how to provide the supports for, for students and educators in schools. I just wanted to add, uh, just uh, supplement what uh, the article that Emily Klein wrote for the Daily Hampshire Gazette uh, about the South Hadley incident. In that article, she says that just from this school school year alone, which is only two months old, uh, there's already been 13 bullying, one Title IX, a civil rights investigation, all in a tight, uh, detailed timeline, and all detracting from what you guys do, which is your primary purpose is to educate uh, it's alarming. It really is. I, I, I would say, uh, you know, we could we could do an hour on on what the roots of it are. Um, it goes to the, you know, I think students do not. Um, they know the kind of political culture um, and the tone of debate that we've been living on under for the last number of years. And they, they see the kind of the polarization and the anger and frankly, the violence in society more generally. I think a lot of it has to do as well with um, the the many impacts of technology, um, not just the spending so much time on computers and phones, but also social media and its impact on how people make relationships. There are, there are many roots to this, but it is really uh, definitely disturbing to our members. And is there an answer families. to the Max, I don't mean to interrupt, but we just have a minute left, and I would love your perspective on this. Can you tell us, please... Why now? Why is this happening now? Well, it's not It's not now. I mean, meaning it's not like a brand new thing. I think what we're seeing is a resurgence 
post-pandemic, where of course there were not students were not together for a good long time. So I think what we're actually seeing and what was shown in this Safe Schools Summit yesterday was that we've simply picked up where we left off before the pandemic in terms of the rising number of cases. Okay. Max Page, thank you so much for your insights. Max Page is the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. This has been his Your State You segment with us. We'll be back with Donna Belcasas and Artbeat right after this. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. This week's Shock Tuesday is Tavern on the Hill. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Tavern on the Hill releases gift certificates for their restaurant on Mount Tom. Tavern on the Hill, barbecue done slow over native oak, brisket, ribs, and pulled pork, plus Tavern's signature salmon, pumpkin tortillaki, and big deck with a view of the Berkshire foothills. And this Tuesday, you save 30%. Tavern on the Hill on Mount Tom, available this Shop Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. This is Greenfield Mayor Roxanne Wiedegartner reminding you to vote November 7. Greenfield needs a qualified, committed person at the helm of this more than $60 million operation that we know of as the city of Greenfield. I am proud to be endorsed by Governor Maura Healey and Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, but the endorsement that I really need is yours. Your vote on November 7 means a lot to me. Let's move forward together. Paid for by committee to elect Roxanne Wiedegartner. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member Bill Newman. The co-op's kitchen is always stirring things up. Get ready to go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Get help with holiday parties and dinners. Let's bake. The co-op has all your baking essentials like ground up, flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven. Breads and brownies, cookies and cake. Let your creative inspiration flow. River Valley Co-op. Wild about local. Everyone is welcome. You're a nonprofit doing good work in the community. You want to let people know? That's easy. Talk to Hannah. Tell her you want to have a PSA on WHMP. If you're a community nonprofit, WHMP helps you communicate. Have an event? Need donations? Volunteers? Talk to Hannah. She'll help you craft a message and we'll run it at no cost. Hi, it's Hannah. Email me at hward at whmp.com or call me at 586-7400. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts, and messages from community nonprofits. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. And this is Artbeat with Donabelle Cassis. Donabelle, the pleasure of the introduction of our very special guest today and the microphone. They're yours. Well, good morning. Happy Friday. Uh, you know, this weekend is going to be gorgeous and it's the best time to go to East Hampton because it is the East Hampton Open Studios weekend from this Saturday and Sunday. 10 to 5 and here to tell us all the details we need to know is East Hampton artist East Works artist um, Sharon Leshner welcome hi thanks for having me oh my gosh this is such a much anticipated event 
We look forward to it every year because it's always exciting. And the weather's going to be great, so I know the turnout's going to be wonderful. What's happening? I mean, not all at once, but just give us a few details because I know there are, what, 50 artists participating? Yeah, so you're right. There's a lot happening. Um, so some things to know is this is sort of a thing that you can attend all day in the sense that there's food, there's music, there are so many studios to visit that you might have to take your choice of what interests you. Um, and the artists, it's not just artists, but different entrepreneurs and um, different businesses of all types have really put their best foot forward in offering some really interesting events um, that I'd love to tell you about. Well, you know, Eastworks has been around for a while. It's a refurbished, iconic 500,000 square foot revitalized textile mill. And it's in the East Hamptons Mill District. If you haven't been, this is a wonderful opportunity to just see this building in all its glory. But I know that, um, you know, there are three floors that are open and the basement floor, first floor. Um, what can people do? But first of all, I have to say, you might want to plan your day because there's a lot to see. But um, tell me, first of all, because I know food is a big draw, what are some of the food trucks that are that will be there to yeah. help nourish us? Um, I am excited about these because I helped plan the food trucks. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the committee. And we have the Humble Peach local burger food truck, Rasta Rant, um, which is a, a vegetarian um, type of food, Ginger Love Cafe, amazing. Um, love, and, food. love them. Yes, and Wake the Dead Donuts, as well as Crooked Stick Pops inside. Um, oh so it's really good. Um, and the food trucks are going to be in the back of the building. Um, there's a big mural by Eastworks artist um, Kim Carlino that's really hard to miss. Um, mm -hmm. And that'll also take you into the basement of the building where there are so many interesting makers and events happening. Mm. Now, you're one of the artists exhibiting, um, right? Yes. <laughs> For example, when somebody comes into the studio, what do they look forward to or what, what do they get to experience in most cases? I know every studio will be different. Yeah, well, I'll tell you about my studio. Um, so one thing I'm really proud of uh, to share is that our studio is called The Color Collaborative. Um, so I'm Sharon. I also go by Sharona Color. And there are five artists that are showing in our space. So while the studio is really shared by, the space is primarily shared by two artists, there are five artists in a collective. Um, and so when you come into the studio, you can look forward to an art show. Um, very thoughtfully put together. Ours is called In Between, uh, which is really about the in-between moments in life uh, and, and connecting with us all as we are in process and, and connecting to the feelings that we feel. Um, and you can also look forward to getting a little something, getting an early holiday present. Uh, we have lots of things for sale, and I know that's true for um, at least most art studios. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that you can experience for art. And then I'm happy to tell you about some of the all different kinds of arts and other events that are happening in. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Please do. Please do. 
Okay, great. Um, so I'm going to give you a few highlights, and this is a little tricky because there are so many highlights. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm excited about them. So here we go. Um, on Saturday, November third, um, all day the the yep the fourth. <laughs> okay, so, Donabelle is not only a meteorologist who has guaranteed us great weather; she's also the keeper of the calendar. The woman has so many talents. Many hats, many hats. Yes. Actually, so, she brings out the um, sun for all of us. I do. <laughs> Thank you, Buzz. Sorry, Sharon. Go ahead. <laughs> all day on Saturday um, is moving water screening by Serious Play theater ensemble on the second floor um also on the second floor we'll, we'll start on the second floor since that's the floor i'm on <laughs> we have uh resilient resilient community arts um has zine making they have tie dye they have all kinds of family friendly events so if you're coming with your family um some of them are paid some of them are free um but just drop by and um they'll have lots of activities. So that's a great place to go for activities. Um, another thing I'm really excited about on the basement floor that seems super cool, especially because of the history of the building as a textile mill, is mm. that the Alchemy, um, the Alchemy Fiber Mill uh, is doing a, they're doing a few events, including a tour. So, I mean, while we're while we're discussing this, if you're just joining us today, we have Sharon Leshner of uh, or Sharona Color uh, in Eastworks, which is that they're having an open studios this weekend, November fourth and fifth, from ten to five p.m. It is at Eastworks at one sixteen Pleasant Street, happening all day. And uh, Sharon is giving us some amazing highlights that we get to look forward to. What else can we do? Because right now I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of the hands-on sort of activities. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about some of these hand block, um, hands-on activities. So um, I'm going to bring us to Sunday. Please come either day or both. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a an artist talk um, with Jason Montgomery at 50 Arrow Gallery as well as there are a lot of interesting things happening um, at 50 Arrow Gallery throughout the weekend. Uh, something that I'm is new, I at least I haven't seen it before, is that there's a computerized body composition test and foot scans and manual tests for spinal function and tours of the adult strength and training fit, fitness facility for free. Um, Ooh. Which is really interesting um, and such a such a generous offering um, from the folks uh, at uh, at the adult strength and training and fitness facility. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have, like I said, lots of uh, workshops at um, at Resilient Community Arts on the second floor, as well as um, a lot of theater happening in the building. So E-Media is going to have some screenings and theater happening throughout um, both days, as well as um, the Serious Play Theater on the second floor. Um, and one thing I want to share with everybody that I'm, I'm really excited about, it's one of the main reasons that I'm in the building, um, is Kim Carlino, who's one of the main organizers of this event over many years, is having her 10-year anniversary. Woo! Um, and wait, so so, sort of side note, side note. 
Kim has the studio I used to have uh, a long time ago. So this is, <laughs> it's kind of coming full circle, but um, yeah, it's going to be an amazing day, but she'll, she'll have her 10 year anniversary celebration with lots of things to lots of amazing swag. You can see her current works in progress and paintings. And, you know, um, I always think that what Eastworks does to bring the community together is so important and amazing. And what better opportunity than to have this event um, during, of course, this amazing weekend. So Sharon Leshner uh, of Sharona Color and also Resilient Community Arts and the Color Collaborative. Um, I so appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing details about what we can look forward to at Eastworks um, Open Studios. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'll see everybody this weekend. And we should note, lots of free parking at Eastworks, in addition to all of the great food that will be there and the fabulous artists and the extraordinary plays and hands-on uh, things to do. Wow, it's going to be amazing. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you so much, Donna Bell. Really appreciate both of you being with us today. This has been Artbeat on Talk the Talk. The beat goes on. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160. Are you or someone you know addicted to drugs? Narcotics Anonymous can help. NA has been helping addicts since 1953. We are recovering addicts who meet regularly to help each other stay clean. We offer meetings and services online and in person. To find one of our meetings or to get information on what services are offered, visit www.westernmassna.org or call us at 1-866-NA-HELP-YOU. That's 1-866-624-3578. WHMP Northampton and WRSI HD2 turn. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg on WHMP. And welcome to Talk the Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And we welcome back to the studio the president of the Northampton City Council, Jim Nash. We are, I'm not sure, the pleased is the right word. We are lucky to be able to have you with us today, uh, Counselor, because... Well, there was a rather extraordinary event at the city council meeting last night. For our listeners who haven't heard about it yet, please tell us. Uh, sure. So first of all, um, I'm a little tired today, but it's great to be here. Um, I don't know what you I look was, gorgeous. I don't know what I was thinking scheduling to be on the radio after council. Um, but um, anyway, so uh, uh, last night during um, city council. Uh, during public comment, a, a number of people queued up remotely uh, on Zoom. Because to, your meetings are hybrid? Because our meetings are hybrid, and they uh, queued up remotely to share uh, hate speech. And that. Um, well, you didn't. They Stop there for one second. Sure. People sign up or they, to talk during public comment period. How does it work? They didn't sign up and say, I'm going to engage in hate speech. What? 
They signed up. And Correct. They, what happened? Well, people, people uh, we have a sign-up sheet for folks who join us in person, in council. That's at the podium. And then in Zoom, people queue up by raising their hands, you know, their virtual hands. And, um, and they're sharing screen names. And that um, in, I, I, it has been our experience that the folks who share their screen names are actually those individuals. Um, and last night, um, you know, we had, I, I, I'm assuming that those folks had made up their names, and, and we had a number of folks who were uh, sharing um, some uh, uh, very vile and provocative uh, stuff during council. Uh, it was upsetting to myself and everybody in the room. Um, we recessed a few times to figure things out. Um, we finally, at one point, we... Um, we uh, council made the decision to suspend public comment. Uh, it seemed apparent that the rest of the folks in the queue were all um, there to um, to to share more hate speech. And um, but I'll say this: that um, while we did that, uh, uh, you know, from from that point in the meeting, I've been thinking about how we're going to go forward. And you know, we we want to maintain people's rights to share their thoughts during public comment. That's, that's extremely valuable for our community. Um, and that, um, and that uh, Councillor Foster and I and the mayor, we, we went out afterwards and we talked in depth about this. And um, Councillor Foster, who is the vice president, we will be working uh, with uh, Attorney Sewell to figure out a way forward. Attorney Sewell, the city solicitor. Yes. President of the council, Jim Nash, you alluded to, or you said it was hate speech. Yeah. Um, I don't want to promote it or particularly repeat it, but I'm wondering if you could give our listeners some sense, at least, of what was being said. Uh, Anti-Semitism, uh, uh, racism, uh, combinations of that, and uh, uh, it. I don't want to say any more. But it it's all recorded. And were, the, were the faces of these speakers? No, they apparent? they did not share their video. So um, that may be something that we're considering in the future. That folks who um, that could be a deterrent. That could be a deterrent. Um, and uh, it it does complicate things. And um, but I just want to say that you know that this wasn't just a, a an attack. On you know just sharing hate speech, it was attack on our 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 free and open process for folks to be able to come to council. And we invite people to say whatever they want. And because, sometimes because, people share things that are hard to hear, and um and we want to be able to protect that right. But at the same time, we don't want to be a platform for people to come in and um and 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 say this kind of stuff. But it's out there, and um, and that I'm I'm proud of the way council and the uh, the mayor and everybody in the room handled themselves last night. Uh, that you know, it, it, it the the shared humanity was very palpable in the room, and um, I'm I'm really proud of this council and our community for the way we handled things. In terms of what happens next, uh, I take it that as president of the council and as the councilor from Ward 3, that part of your objective is to uh, preserve 
this very open forum, the public speak time at the Northampton City Council, which doesn't require you to speak on a particular topic or on an issue before the council that night or on, I mean, it's very wide open. It it does not have those kinds of uh, limitations. And I take it that you have interest in trying to preserve that because... Absolutely. I, you know, that... That our agendas are our business can be very focused for the night, um, and that um, but the number of topics and things that people want to talk about in Northampton, um, it, we we want to hear about those things. I mean, we don't always just hear hard things; we hear really good things too. People announce events. Um, uh, Two weeks ago, Pam Powers, our uh, city clerk, was announcing you know about elections, and this is we we get good information through public comment, and we want to continue this. What, were any of these statements uh, uh, interpreted as threats to individuals or groups? Interesting. Um, I, hmm, hmm. I, I'll say this, that, that the language was clearly threatening to all of us in our community and, and, our, um, and, and the way we go about being a community. It, it was antithetical to who we are in Northampton and that um, and we listened and we moved on. <laughs> the comments were racist. Do I understand that? Correctly? Racist, anti-Semitic, um, homophobic. Yeah, I imagine that was in there, too. You reach a point of when you're hearing stuff that you kind of like. Oh, I'm getting barraged with things, and that um, yeah, you go numb. Yeah, you go numb, and people were a bit numb. I'm still a bit numb, so. Wow. Well, you look great, Jim Nash. Well, thank you, and uh, you know, and I just applaud our community for, you know, who we are. It's it's a real honor to serve here. I, this is Dan. I have a question. I guess for the two lawyers here, um, what laws exist in order to defend free speech versus? Uh, the the city council deciding to suspend this. I mean, can you guys just briefly tell us is is town council allowed to just say, hey, we got We got to turn this off, and that's why that solicitor general was. And I'm sorry, the city's city solicitor Alan. See, yeah. well, the answer to your question, Dan, is no. Right. No, you, not briefly. Very <laughs> briefly, the answer was no. You can't just decide, um, and you can't just do it arbitrarily. You can't do it specifically on the basis of content. Um, there is very wide protection for public speak time and uh, uh, the right to express yourself in front of a uh, municipal body like that. Uh, and I think that Alan Seawald is well, well aware of the case that holds tells this. Um, and I think that the next order of business would be for the uh, solicitor to meet with the council to uh, talk about what was done and whether it was appropriate, and when it's appropriate to do what the council did. Um, uh, And I am on that already. We are (laughs) on that. But I just want to point out, and what Bill's alluding to, everyone may remember that the Supreme Judicial Court talked about you don't have to speak with civility in a a, uh, a public forum such as the one that Councillor Nash is describing that happened last night. But there there is a point, and it's part of the national debate, where the right to speech... Uh, can be curtailed because that's why I asked about threats. If, you know, there's this whole uh, jurisprudence around what we call fighting words, at what point are your words incitement 
At what point are your words threatening? I mean, an assault can be verbal, right? Uh, I could say, oh, you, uh, Jim, you didn't bring me water. I'm going to kill you. Or I could say, oh, you slept with my wife last night. I'm going to kill you. You can share my water. There's a difference between uh, those two contexts in which we talk about I'm going to kill you as being language which is criminal. And so the answer to your question, no, briefly, we can't do it, but uh, it's been debated for a very long time. Okay. I will stay tuned. We're on it, and um, we'll be talking more about it. We sure will. We are speaking with the president of the Northampton City Council, Jim Nash. I'd like to turn to another topic, if I might, because, Councillor Nash, uh, you are not running for re-election after many terms and as uh, as a Ward 3 councillor and as the president of the city council. Uh, There was a letter in today's Daily Hampshire Gazette. Uh, Let me read it. It is short. Clarification from write-in candidate in Northampton Ward 3. From Claudia Lefko, I appreciate the coverage of my write-in campaign for the Ward 3 City Council seat. I think it's important to say in terms of qualifications that I not only worked, that was in quotes, and that was the uh, word in the Daily Hampshire Gazette's uh, news article about this this week. I not only worked on the school committee, I was three times elected to the at-large seat, and I think when I asked, uh, Claudia Lefko was on the show, I asked her when that was, and I think she said the 90s. and the letter goes on. I don't attribute the cha- changes that concern me. Let me just make sure this quote is accurate. And this is the second paragraph of her letter. And I don't attribute the changes that concern me, the narrowing of opportunities for substantive input into city affairs to COVID, but rather to the revision in the city's charters that gave more power to the mayor's office. To write in a candidate, voters must fill in an arrow for a vote and then enter my name and address, and she gives her name and address. Uh, Jim Nash, what do you make of that, that the claim that the city's charter uh, gave more power to the mayor's office and that narrowed the opportunities for substantive input into city affairs? So there's two things that I would to break down there. First of all, yes, the, the, the new charter that we approved about a de- decade back uh, did uh, did put more power in the position of mayor, and um, and uh, that part is true. While at the same time, the the city and and this is true of council and um, and and also the mayor's office that we go overboard on making sure that people are invited to the to the table to be part of uh, public process. And that um, that I th- I think that I, I, I disagree with that statement. Um, that uh, the I, I've heard a criticism um, that's been out there that you know uh, public comment is only two minutes long, and that's not enough time. And I absolutely agree, it's not enough time. But you have time outside of council to call your counselor and have a discussion. I've. Uh, I, I have a policy. I, I end every communication with my constituents with I'm happy to talk on the phone or go out for coffee and chat. And that um, that that is the way to be part of the process. Uh, I'm, you know, myself and uh, I, I regularly attended the Ward 3 Neighborhood Association meetings, which uh, Quaverly Rothenberg recently, um, you know, framed as 
It's basically a town hall, a monthly town hall meeting for Ward 3, where people can show up and they can talk about their uh, concerns for the ward uh, and for our neighborhoods and also interact with the, um, with the Ward 3 representative. Um, that I, I could go on and on, that we have our committee structure uh, throughout City town. council committee. City sure. council, that, that if we detect that there is um, interest in having more public input, our, we, we regularly send um, items out to our committees, and the committees can allow for, there, we, you know, there is a public comment part of that, but we open up the floor to hear what people have to say. Um, we did that. Um, we did that around dash cams. Uh, that we uh, we had, you know, it, it, at finance committee, we we heard from you know people who were concerned about that expenditure. Uh, that that's that's the way we do our business, um, and that. And, and there was I'm, robust public debate, and we don't have to go into that the weeds of that for yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, lots of people had lots to say about dash cams. And, the and that's a great example of how everybody was heard. So, um, yeah, I, so I, I, I disagree with that statement. And that, um, so um, I do want to say that I, I am endorsing Quaverly Rothenberg for the Ward 3 seat to replace me. And I'll tell you why. Um, so first of all, um, there's three things that are really important for me in Ward 3. There's uh, Bridge Street School, support for Bridge Street School. Quaverly is a parent. She has children there. She's participated in the school council. She, um, then there's the Ward 3 Association. She's been the president of the Ward 3 Neighborhood Association. Um, and that um, the third thing is connection to public housing in Salvo House. Quaverly, um, has con she's, she's been involved in discussions regarding the NHA board, um, and, and she's getting to know people in Salvo House. And, and the last thing I'll say is she also went to the effort to think long and hard about um, uh, serving on council and went through the process of getting on the ballot. She went out and actually collected the signatures so that her name will be there next Tuesday. And that um, the last thing I'll say is uh, she is uh, probably right now on the phone talking to somebody to learn more about how to do her job. Um, that she is on a quest to really understand the ward and all of the, the, the players in the city who she's gonna need to do her job well. She's talked with Carolyn Mish, the mayor. She's talked to people all up around, all throughout uh, Ward 3. And, um, and I'm impressed with her efforts. So I'm, that's who I am supporting for the next Ward 3 city councilor. We are talking to City Council President Jim Nash. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you what you learned during the course of your tenure on the City Council that you could share with your successor that might make their job easier. We'll be right back with Jim Nash. Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. 
Find local news and local talk for the Valley. If we didn't go for this project, the cost to repair the schools is estimated at 80 million, and we don't get help with that. So this vote is the absolutely the smartest financial choice, and it's getting a building that we desperately need for our educators and for our students. Where the heart of the Pioneer Valley lives. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP, news, information, and the arts. I'm Mary Bates. And I'm John Pucci. We are honored to endorse Gwen Agner for At-Large School Committee. The work of our school committee is critical to the health of our schools and the economic prosperity of Northampton. We need experts in quality educational practices who know our schools. Gwen is that person. We've followed her work on school committee, which she has served with purpose, determination, and collaborative spirit. She is hands down one of the most effective school committee members we've ever had. Please, Please vote, vote for, for Gwen, Gwen Agna on, on November 7th. 7th. High school is a time of discovery, of exploring the world and shaping your future. What happens in high school has a deep and lasting effect. At the Hartsbrook School, that means discovering more than the right answers to test questions. Textbooks give way to learning through experience, experiments, research, and group projects. Hartsbrook students take their science studies into the woods and social studies into the community, working for food justice and applying their own solutions to issues such as climate change or food insecurity. Hartsbrook students connect with students worldwide with the Model UN and participate in exchange, traveling to and hosting students from countries around the world. Hartsbrook students cultivate an unwavering sense that they can take action in the world and can handle adversity. Is Hartsbrook the right school for your teenager? For parents and caregivers of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, there's a Discover Hartsbrook evening this Tuesday. Also this Tuesday, a half-day visiting day for students. Register at Hartsbrook.org. The Hartsbrook School on a 55-acre campus on Bay Road in Hadley. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we are back with our conversation with City Councilor Jim Nash. And uh, you hear that tick tock, tick tock in the background? That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's your tenure uh, catching up to you. And I asked before we took a break, um, from the time you first assumed the role as a counselor to the time here we are in the waning days of your tenure, um, what have you learned? What insights have you gained that you could share with your successor? <sighs> wow. Well, you know, I... So, I, I... Ward 3 is is a really fabulous ward. Um, it's, it's, something's always going on um, that, uh, that it's not sleepy at all, that there's, there's, there's construction, there's initiatives, there's businesses. That it, it's just very vibrant. Councilor Nash, take 15 seconds for our listeners who don't know Northam's geography so well. What's Ward 3? Where yeah, is Ward it? Ward 3 is roughly the most eastern part of the city, uh, it basically includes the North Street neighborhood, running down Pleasant Street, including Conn Street, uh, includes the William Street, Pomeroy Terrace area, um, and that it's uh, walkable to downtown, and, and it's got a, a, a number of established uh, Northampton neighborhoods, and, that, um, and in, they're the most diverse neighborhoods in the city. 
and that um, and I've just found it really exciting to represent that place. Joe's Pizza is worth three. Yes? Joe's is yeah, definitely yeah. Okay, you know Megan That's, and <laughs> and that um, and I guess the one thing I'll say to you know whoever the pre- my predecessor that you know if you're you're um, Ward 3 pretty much de- demands leadership with the city just by simply having all of these things going on. Uh, that you're, you're not going to be a, you know, a quiet city councilor. You will, it will push you into leadership. I am, uh, two of the last three city council presidents came from Ward 3. And, um, and I don't think that's an accident. I think it's because you're, you're thrust into things that, um, that force you to take stands and, and show how to lead people. So, and I do want to talk about Picture Main Street. I'd like to, like to hear. Yeah, so uh, picture, uh, So before council right now is a resolution uh, in support of Picture Main Street. It's supported by me, Councillor Foster, Councillor LaBarge, and Councillor Jarrett. Uh, the resolution lays out the t- uh, 20 years of work by uh, city council, uh, not just this council, but the councils before us that have uh, resulted in the planning uh, that have resulted in the picture Main Street plan that um, we've been working for over 20 years to make the city more walkable, more cyclable, and more pedestrian friendly. And that to the, we have plans to invigorate the city core uh, and our village cores and to um, and the picture Main Street plan is is really like the bullseye on the on the map that, uh, that it's it's saying that this this is how we want our downtown to look and and it it's going to be uh, accessible and it, it's going to have bike lanes. Bike lanes are something that are actually in our city ordinances. We're required to explore having them, and if we don't put them in, um, we're breaking our own laws. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, council is looking for people to weigh in and show support for this um, uh, resolution and this process, and and um, and I'm expecting to get nine votes um, as we vote on it at our next council meeting on the 16th, and um, and we're we're looking for more importantly, we want to have closure and say this pro- part of the process is over. It's now time to get on to. How are we going to get through the construction, and how are we going to move forward and invite this new downtown that's going to be – it's tremendously exciting. So um, could you take a minute and tell me wh- where is the process at this point? I mean we've heard all the criticisms and the debate and so on. Where is the actual, I guess, legal process or planning process at this point? Good question. So, um, so when you are working with MassDOT, that um, Department we, of Transportation, exactly. So roadways need to be designed. They need to be designed by engineers. Plans need to be developed so that, um, and they need to be very detailed. So when they go out to bid, you're you're everybody's bidding on the exact same thing. Um, that um, we've been working for years to. Uh, develop these plans, and then, because uh, in in the case of downtown, it's the intersection of 
of state highways, and therefore MassDOT um, uh, reviews all of this. And in fact, MassDOT is going to be providing $19 million to uh, assist with this rebuild. Um, and so essentially where we're at is we've done all of the work that we can do. Who's the we? The city, uh, uh, we, we've hired an engineering firm called Tool Design. They've worked with us to come up with the design that we have. They, they've um, worked on all of the, the, the traffic studies and the engineering, and it's been handed into MassDOT. It's very much like we've handed in our homework. And that um, what some people are requesting is that we go to MassDOT and say, well, you know, our homework's not done. We'd like it back. And, and the fact of the matter is we worked long and hard on, on those plans. And, and furthermore, the, the, the reasons that people want us to take it back because they don't think we considered something that they're raising right now. And that's not true. We've, everything has, was considered in those plans, all ideas, and we landed on this particular design. It's handed in, and we're waiting for MassDOT to come back and say, you got an A. And um, and we're going to move forward and pay and give you and 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 fund the city with 19 million dollars to make this project move forward. I think that's pretty exciting, and that um, and and I'm I'm calling for the through this resolution for the city to come together and let's start moving forward. We've been speaking with City Council President Jim Nash. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Councilor. Thank you, Council President Jim Nash. And we really appreciate you coming after that long night. Uh, Any time. Next time, provide coffee. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The third suspect wanted a connection to a shooting in Holyoke that led to the death of a newborn baby has turned himself in. 28-year-old Kermit Alvarez of Holyoke surrendered to authorities this morning. He now faces a murder charge and is due to be arraigned in Holyoke District Court on Monday. Prosecutors say an altercation between three men ended in gunfire with one of the rounds striking a city bus and hitting a pregnant woman who was seated on board. Four candidates are running for two at-large seats on the Northampton City Council. David Murphy, Garrick Perry, Roy Martin, and Marissa Elkins took part in a candidates' forum on Wednesday night, during which they discussed the looming budget override the city is facing. While Murphy, a former city councilor, argued the city is overspending on new city departments, such as the Division of Community Care, the only incumbent city councilor in the race, Marissa Elkins, said the possibility of a Proposition 2.5 override is nothing new. Ward 4 Councilor Garrick Perry said the city could need the budget override to prevent layoffs to the public school system. Roy Martin has run for mayor multiple times and argued that some of the city residents cannot afford another tax override. And the South Hadley Select Board is calling an emergency meeting with the school committee to ask voters to approve $61,000 from the town's fiscal 2024 operational budget to pay for a new assistant superintendent at the school. This comes after six South Hadley High School staff members were physically assaulted by students in three separate incidents. According to the Gazette, administrators are now spending so much time dealing with various investigations and disciplinary processes for disorderly conduct that they're struggling to complete other aspects of the job. Our warming trend continues today with partly to mostly sunny skies, a little breezy, and a high of 52 to 56. Variable clouds tonight, evening temperatures in the 40s, overnight lows of 32 to 38. Sun-cloud combination for tomorrow, a high of 54 to 58, and mid to upper 50s and dry on Sunday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP. It's your home for the resistance, Tom Hartman. 
weekdays at noon. Get informed, then get involved. I'm Tom Hartman from the Tom Hartman Program. Intelligent talk, opinion, and debate. Join me every weekday, noon to 3, right here on WHMP. 101.5 and 1400 WHMP. Simply Safe, our award-winning home security has advanced sensors, HD cameras, and now this 24-7 live guard protection. Only from Simply Safe. Monitoring agents can see and speak to intruders through our indoor camera to help stop crime in real time and for fast police response. Now get 50% off any new system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash radio. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Why should the Federal Reserve have so much power over your IRA or 401k? Whether they create a new bubble with low interest rates or pop the last bubble with high interest rates, a group of unelected government officials has no business deciding your future. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Paul, and this is just one more reason why I recommend a physical gold IRA from Birch Gold Group because precious metals are the best way to maintain your financial independence. And now you can hold gold inside of a tax-advantaged account. To learn more, text the word HEDGE to 989898, and my friends at Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold IRAs. Birch Gold is the only gold IRA company I trust, so text Hedge to 989898 to request your free info kit right now. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Welcome. Welcome to NPR. (laughs) Northampton Poetry Radio with erstwhile poet laureate Rich Michelson. Rich, hey, how you doing? That was three welcomes. I like that. I don't know if, if everybody heard all three or just <laughs> but one. only one. Is. And, and, well, and only one went on here. Okay, so <laughs> we're, we're just welcoming each other here. So um, I have a very special guest with me today, um, a poet by the name of Yona Harvey. And first of all, I want to welcome you, Yona, both to the show and to the area. We have a new poet in the area uh, with a national reputation because Northampton is the place to be. Uh, we can never have too many poets. We can never have too many. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Yona is, will be reading. You can, you can welcome Yona to the area and you can hear her read. This coming Tuesday, November 7th at 7 p.m. at the Botel Day Poetry Center, the Weinstein Auditorium at Smith College. And, um, and be there because you're going to hear some special poetry. Yona, welcome to the area. Thank you. So happy to so, be here. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you're, you're the author of uh, two wonderful volumes of poetry, Hemming the Water, and your newest is You Don't Have to Go to Mars for Love. Beautiful books, by the way. You Don't Have to Go to Mars for, for love. love. Yes. Well, that's that's a relief. Yeah, <laughs> it, it helps, right? And, um, and also, 
many people might know you as a graphic novel writer, a comic book writer. Um, you are the, the first, uh, you are the first of two black women uh, to be hired by Marvel to write the world of Wakanda and the Black Panther. So let's start digging in. First of all, what brought you to the area? Oh, I took a new position at Smith College. I'm the Tamas Day professor there in the English department. And you're here. That's like not a short-term position, so you are going to be here. Yeah, you're stuck with me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll take you. We'll take you. And... Um, and let's, let's start, I, I always like to start with a poem, so people get a sense of your voice. Um, the, uh, the books are absolutely wonderful. After you read a poem, I'd like to talk about your style a little bit, what you're trying to do in your work, so uh, let's choose something. Okay, I'll read a poem from the first book. Um, this one's called Mother Love. Because you are not April or June or January or slush cake boots or snow falling or melting or moving in from the Northwest Plains, one cold coffee of a late night, my bruise, my blade, my thorn, I love. Here in the fold of a cramped journal, I've nothing to whine about, to hate, or to feel indifferent to. I write with the ink that is your name, dark blood in the droop of a pale handkerchief. When the baker runs her hands against the smooth flour and sugar tins with their satisfied lids, she is not like you. She is not your sewing machine in danger of falling over the edge. No, you're at least 13 clocks in the span of two rooms, each off by a minute or two. Lord, help me when they chimed. And so, my love is awkward and ill-timed. Here's the oversized window you keep looking out of. What trip are you planning, you never-punctual, retired secretary, you flat-ended film, you holy shock of self-absorption, polyester panties, cotton-knit pajamas, you paper jam, you yesterday, you minister of excuses, you tardy bell, parcel package, unexpected visitor, unanswered phone call, shout from the basement, rainstorm, static in the busted speaker, hearing aid, headache, cabinet void of tea bags and measuring cups, passive-aggressive, stomach ache, one and a half minutes too long, day late, dollar short, mother of mothers, you, mother, you. Wow. You're listening to Yona Harvey, who will be reading Tuesday, November 7th at 7 o'clock at the Boutel Day Poetry Center in Weinstein Auditorium at Smith College. And um, so your work, here's what I love about it, okay? Um, you, you work with oftentimes dark subjects even, especially in the newer book. There's divorce, there's uh, sibling suicide. Um, but the, the poems themselves never seem to me to be dark in a sense. They're exuberant. You, uh, the language jumps all over the place, comes back together. Uh, you put a lot in. 
And so uh, I do get a sense, we were talking a little bit earlier before we went on air, um, that there's almost, in many ways, a children's book rhythm to your language, um, you know, the way you put things together, so that I can understand um, you also writing comics. Uh, uh, how did that come about, being the first black woman to be writing for Marvel Comics? Um. Well, my friend Ta-Nehisi Coates was working on that first. Your friend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? oh, oh! by the way. Yeah, okay. I knew that, but I let her say it. <laughs> he, he's a friend of mine, too. He's actually on my night table as we speak. <laughs> we went to Howard together. And so he was working on that first uh, run, the new run of Black Panther at the time. And I was texting him and saying how much I loved it and was excited about it. And he said, oh, do you want to work on a comic? Do you want to write a comic too? And I said, immediately, of course. But I was thinking like distantly in the future. And he meant like right then and there. So that's what sort of kicked it off. But mostly it was just a way to spend time with my very busy friend. I feel like that's the only way that we could sort of hang out together mm -hmm. was to work together. So that's what started uh, the whole yeah. thing. I have some very busy friends doing amazing projects. You know, you want to hang out with me? Come on, ask me. <laughs> ask, I'll write that film with you, uh, Kwame. Um, and uh, do the TV show, too. Uh, it's, so uh, how do you, when you approach writing for uh, comics, uh, how do you approach that as opposed to writing uh, your poetry? Well, to different minds entirely, or do you I, feel it's all the same pot? There's a little bit of an intersection, but you know, as you mentioned, my poems kind of move all over the place. I think that's like the map of my mind. It's a very nonlinear, juggling many things kind of mind. So to write in the Marvel way for comics, which is, say, maybe different from... It's not... There's a, a million ways to write comics, but I think I had to rein that in a little bit and study. It was hard. It was, in a nutshell, it was kind of difficult, you know, to think about story beats and order and an outline and the whole history of the characters. That's very different, I think, from how I approach my poems, mm -hmm. you know? But there is some overlap when you think about page turns in a comic and stanza breaks in a poem and dramatic pauses, the little spaces that you give readers in poems for breath are the same kind of spaces that you can manipulate when you're making a comic in terms of like the pauses between the panels or the big dramatic switches when you have that splash after you turn a page. So mm -hmm. You wrote for, um, you wrote the character Storm, yeah? um, and again, was there... I don't want to bring it back to race, but uh, as a black woman, did you feel uh, any s extra uh, pressure on you uh, being uh, the first woman to be writing for Marvel? For sure. I mean, among the first. I wasn't the, the first, first uh, but for um, just because of Marvel fan base. Roxanne Gay, I think, was also, right? Yes. Worked with him. Yeah. Yes. And Nyla Magruder, separately, different comics, but mm -hmm. yeah. So definitely a lot of pressure because, you know, poetry, as you know, our audience is tinier yes. <laughs> than, say, the Marvel audience. So I feel like there's a pressure to 
be faithful and not disappoint and want to bring something exciting to the table. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's always interesting. I think the audience knows um, when I'm writing a children's book as opposed to writing my poetry, um, you forget when you're so entranced in poetry, uh, and it is such a smaller audience, uh, and then you go back to a different venue, it's like, uh, wow, people show up and <laughs> they're exactly. interested. It's, uh, it's kind of a little crazy. Um, my guest today is Yona Harvey, uh, new to the Northampton area, and Yona will be reading at Smith College on Tuesday, November 7th at 7 o'clock. Uh, we will be right back uh, with a little bit more with Yona right after this break. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank, with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. Greenfieldsavings.com. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. What's cooking at River Valley Co-op? Here's avid eater, grocery shopper, and co-op member, Bill Newman. The co-op's kitchen is always stirring things up. Get ready to go meals, sandwiches, salads, pizza, burritos. Get help with holiday parties and dinners. Let's bake. The co-op has all your baking essentials, like ground up, flour and grains, stone milled in Holyoke. Put a little lovin' in the oven. Breads and brownies, cookies and cake. Let your creative inspiration flow. River Valley Co-op, wild about local. Everyone is welcome. With tens of thousands of satisfied patients across America, it's no surprise QC Kinetics gets five-star reviews. I'm feeling on top of the world because of QC Kinetics. I'm able to do the things that I wasn't able to do for a long time. I can recommend them highly. I would recommend QC to anybody. QC Kinetics has changed my life. I couldn't believe it. I honestly was skeptical, but the pain went from a 10 to a zero. Real people with real lasting relief from joint pain. QC Kinetics Regenerative Medicine is regenerating me. <laughs> This non-surgical approach is definitely the future. I tell as many people as possible. I am an ambassador. I love QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine. No drugs, no surgery. Call QC Kinetics now for your free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 413-992-5450. That's 413-992-5450. 413-992-5450. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We can... No, go ahead, Bill. No, well, you go, Buzz. Well, I was just going to say we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Yona Harvey, the uh, tenured poet, 
at Smith College and also a co-writer of Marvel's World of uh, Wakanda comic. And Rich Michelson, of course, has uh, blessed us with Yona's presence and is uh, well, we're all eavesdropping in a conversation between Rich and Yona. Well, Yona has blessed us uh, coming to the area, and I do have to... Uh, just put in here because otherwise the Straw Dog Riders Guild will uh, disin, uh, disinvite me. Uh, Bill's also on the board, as am I. Uh, but um, here's, here's what I love about living in this area, is that there's poets on every street corner, and there's readings every night of the week if you are so inclined. Here's what I hate about this area, is that uh, there's always more to do than you want to do. And as it turns out, Tuesday night is a great night for poetry. Uh, if you cannot make it to Smith College, um, I am also reading Tuesday night. Uh, I invited Yona on the show because I like to uh, promote my competition. And uh, I will be reading at Forbes Library uh, for the uh, Straw Dog Writers Guild. Uh, that is at 6 o'clock. If you are really ambitious, you can come to the Forbes Library and then make it over to Smith College at 7. Okay. A after you vote. After, oh, boy, we got a busy day. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, we love to talk poetry on this show, um, but we also bear in mind uh, that people always want to hear about comics. Uh, so uh, uh, I will steal Buzz's question here. Uh, uh, you know, so your audience for comics are, are often um, young white boys, although it's spreading beyond that to the point where it is now uh, women and everyone. Uh, when you are writing the comics, is this in your mind at all? I, oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, it's not that, spe question. <laughs> <laughs> that speci specific thing I don't necessarily think about, but in terms of like accessing the comics, I, I would, I use my imagination just like any young person would. And so, you know, you just sort of disappear into the world of Wakanda. I think that mm. children and young people don't have the same filters or barriers that we do, and they're very good at imagining things. Um, one thing I remember, too, working on, working for Marvel, you know, there was a lot to talk around World of Wakanda, and they would interview different uh, hip-hop artists and musicians around, like, what were their favorite characters in Marvel, and sometimes you would expect them to say it was Black Panther or it was Luke Cage, but... Spider-Man was really at the top of the list for a lot of these uh, artists and musicians, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that. So mm. I do think there's a bit of a common ground when it comes to imagination and but, play. And yet the African-American community, people that I've been in contact with, there was great pride with when the Black Panther came out and was Absolutely. so beautifully done. And, and the comic books do... Uh, that, uh, the culture is depicted in the comic book that um, people can be proud of, of African-American descent. And, and so I guess that's, I just want to amplify Rich's question. It, when you wrote that, you realize it's a broad audience, but you also want to be true to the culture that's trying to be conveyed, right? For sure. How do you do that? Huge responsibility. Um, I think you have a lot of 
fun. Uh, so, like, for example, ta and I would sometimes bury little bits of poems in there. So you would see, like, uh, Amiri Baraka or Sonia Sanchez. You don't have to know. The readers wouldn't have to know that. But if they picked up on that, that was a very cool thing. So little touchstones around that. Um, again, going deep into the Marvel archive and looking at back issues, just wanting to be faithful to the original artists and writers around that. And yeah, I mean, of course, we're very mm -hmm. aware of that legacy. Yeah. yeah I think, though, I, I think that uh, in a sense, it's, it's not, the, I'll bring this back to poetry, uh, always my first love. I think it's not that different than writing for any audience in a sense. So uh, you're, when I'm writing, uh, people know me as a Jewish poet. Um, yet when I'm, not, I'm writing, I'm not writing just for Jews. I'm writing a certain experience. And if I focus on my experience, every, if it's successful, it means something to everyone, regardless of your background. You say, oh, this is similar to this in my work. Your poetry is uh, also very chock full with black culture, um, and yet it reaches so far beyond that. Uh, you know, I think that's the sense we need. We, we get to the universal through the particular. Uh, so, for sure. Is, is that what you're. Yeah. You know. And I think you, you're wanting to convey your love for it, love for excitement around Wakanda, that world, that space, the Black Panther. Um, also, there's this really joyful, there's an old Teeny Harris picture. Teeny Harris was a photographer in Pittsburgh for the Pittsburgh Courier. Years ago, he documented black life there. And there's an image of a young black girl reading a comic. So I just want, there's a long legacy too of <laughs> black girls, women yeah. reading comics too. It just, it seems like a bro culture, culture but not. <laughs> well, well, wonderful. We look forward uh, to having you as part of our community, certainly. And uh, I just want to say that this Tuesday night, you have two options, and those are your only two options. There's nothing else. This is Tuesday is poetry night. Uh, I will be at the uh, Forbes Library at 6 o'clock for the Straw Dog Writers Guild, Writers Night Out. And Yona Harvey will be at uh, the Smith College, the Weinstein Auditorium, the Battelle Day Poetry Center. Uh, you can get there at 7 and hear more of the poems that you have just got a sense of. Bill, in the few seconds Yona, we have left. Yona, are you going to continue to do all of this while you're teaching full-time at Smith? And how many hours a day do you sleep, if at all? To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> so you really are going to continue to do all these things? I'm going to try. Wow. That's amazing. Well, all I know is it seems like we're very lucky to have you. Thank, welcome to this community. And thank uh, Rich, thank you so much for... for we'll have you on again, for sure. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank Yona you, everyone. Harvey of Smith. Uh, thank you for being here with us. And listeners, thank you for being with us. Have a great weekend.
You're it. Tom Hartman, weekdays at noon. Tom Hartman Program, your home for the resistance, commentary, conversation, and common cause. Join me, Tom Hartman, every weekday from noon to 3, right here on WHMP. 1015 and 1400 WHMP. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts provides healthy food to families and individuals facing hunger in our region. And right now, with food insecurity the highest it's been in recent years, the Food Bank is distributing more emergency food than ever. Learn more about the Food Bank or get support for yourself and your family. Go to foodbankwma.org or call 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. WHMP Northampton and 